<laughs> What's up, people? We are glad that you are here. Is that really the start? Yeah, why not? Oh, you just jumped right in. I didn't know you were actually starting. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey. <laughs> oh, we are in it. It is live. The people can hear us. We are here. Um, <laughs> yeah, so let's do this thing. We got okay. a conversation that I'm intrigued to see how it goes. Me too. Uh, <laughs> we some Most of the time, we do have some kind of outline just so that we can keep our coherent thoughts as a as a Tri triune group right here. We are the second trinity. <laughs> oh no, no, no. <laughs> That's not oh, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. <laughs> I'd have to be like that too. That actually works really well. I'm the oldest. <laughs> You're the most prophetic. Like <laughs> we are going to get in trouble. Brennan's the most we like need Jesus. To start over. No, 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 Keep it. no. Cut him and clip the, it. The the people need to know how this actually goes. <laughs> Anyways, I was saying sometimes we do have an outline, but right now we just have kind of a blank slate where we'll jump into this conversation. But before we get there, let me hear you guys' favorite worship person slash group right now. Mm. Mine is Mav City for sure. Um, this is Brandon Lake's probably my favorite mm. individual oh. person. I know he's kind of all over he's the all groups, over, but yeah. Yeah. Mav City he's is just all around good. Yeah. Great quality music, great lyrics, good stuff. That's great. I mean, I will always probably say Shane and Shane, oh, not even because it's my favorite now. Yeah. It's not the mo- one I listen to most now. Mm-hmm. I think just from when I first became a Christian to stuff they put out with the worship the initiative. Yeah, it's just great. Yeah, they are great. I would say right now, Elevation. Yeah. I mean, their last couple they of albums, they're so, so, good. so good. And We're, you always <laughs> you always know when an album is good when it's got no skippers. Yeah, that's true. That's fair. Yes. Yeah. That's like Victory it, Album S of Bethel. Oh, like, yes. And, so yeah. good. Mm-hmm. And like, I get it. You can hit a one-off every once in a while, and there's a good song on an album, and that makes it a good artist. But when you can get like yeah. a consistent yeah, 15 songs, and I will listen to every ridiculous. single one, and yeah. they have different voice and, yep. and like tone, yeah. and it's like, oh, that is so good. Their newest album is Lion. If you haven't heard it, you should go that's listen good. to it. Hey, now, I want to ask a separate question. What is what is right, your is sleeper? <laughs> What is your sleeper worship pick that if Ooh. someone was going to ask you like and you want you want to go under the radar with this one who do you pick My first thought and I don't know how under the radar it is cuz they're growing but is influence music okay. Oh yeah. yeah That's a good one that's is a good it, sleeper yeah. pick Yeah they're yeah. not like blowing the charts off but they've got some really good stuff mm. Yeah mine would be it's Blue Jay House worship Okay I don't have anything on my actual phone, but I find them on YouTube almost every week because they're dropping stuff like crazy, yeah, and they are so good. Blue Jay House worship. All right. Ben? Probably Justin Bieber. <laughs> He's he did worship a couple of times. He did. a song named Holy, right? <laughs> we want to get into that? No. Oh, no, we don't. No. I, I don't know Under the Radar. Um I like Jason Upton, but he's actually probably more famous than people realize, but not yeah, a lot I don't of people know. know who he is. I don't know who I that is. I probably would so. know if I heard something, but yeah. I don't know the name. Yep. I feel like a good one. You put me on to John Mark Pantana. That's not really worship, oh, yeah. Yeah. No, but he good. is so good. Yep, super good. Yeah. Super yeah. good. Okay, let's yep. move into the conversation yeah. now. The reason we asked you about, and I hope maybe you answered. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what's, what's your guys? Let us know. Yeah. Read in the Let comments. us know in the comments. Do the Dora. What's your favorite? The awkward Yeah. But we started talking about this because a lot of us at the table, I would say probably all of us, in, in Dylan included, we like, stop it. I see you staring at the camera. <laughs> ben is being a weirdo. Uh, I worked but, out really hard today and I don't feel great. So uh, my we, all like, <laughs> we all like anyway. 
Hillsong Worship. Yes. Yeah. They have created yeah, so insane. many amazing songs, great albums. Just They've been an anthem for some people in their mm-hmm. Christian walk. And now we are stepping into a time where Hillsong is really controversial. Yeah. That if you didn't know, uh, welcome to the, the conversation where we're about to talk about it. But that's okay. Ben hasn't seen it either. And he's going to be our voice of um, reason helping to process through some <laughs> of these things. But Hillsong is in this controversial moment where there was a documentary that just was released about a month ago already. Mm-hmm. And it's a three-part documentary on Discovery+. Plus, And it overviews the history of, of Hillsong up until this point, as well as the controversies that have kind of plagued them as a ministry over the last two, three years. Uh, Mm -hmm. One of the biggest ones that started it really was their New York pastor. Hillsong is a church that exists in 30 countries around the world. They have hundreds of campuses. Like, and one of their biggest ones was the one in New York. It was led by Carl Lentz and he had this um, affair that came, came to the light and kind of destroyed their New York location. And they still haven't recovered from that. And it started to shine a light on them. And then they went from that place to a couple other controversies. And now Brian Houston, who's their global global pastor, one of the founding members who uh, Hillsong is actually based out of Australia, if you didn't know that. And he was there. And now he has a ton of controversy um, surrounding him. He ended up stepping down from his position or being fired, whatever language that you want to read. And now there's this documentary that is exposing, that's what the title Mm -hmm. is called, Hillsong, a mega church exposed that's exposing some of this. And so we wanted as people of spiritual influence over those that are listening, we wanted to be able to speak into this because it is a, it's a problem that we see across Christian history. Honestly, it's not new Mm -hmm. yet. It feels really close to home for a lot of people as they're, they've listened to the songs. Maybe they've read books by these authors. They've, they've watched the sermons. They know who Hillsong is. And now there's this huge gap where it's like, what do we do with all this information? How are we supposed to feel and what are we supposed to think? And in that, we just want to speak into that a little bit, that we don't want to tell you how to feel. We don't want to tell you how to think, but we want to inform you based on what we would feel is correct and right in these um, things. Sound good? Yeah. Is that a good intro? We're good? Yeah. Um, We will talk later in the podcast if we would advise you to watch it or not, but we're going to give you a bunch of information before you get there. So let's just start with some initial thoughts. That when yeah. it comes to the documentary, Hillsong, the intro, all the things, what would we start this conversation with? Yeah. I, I mean, haven't seen it. Yeah. As you said. That's fair. That's good, though. I wanted yes. Ben here having not seen it yep. because then he can check some of the things Jana and I will or say. Or ask questions. Or, or yeah, try yeah. to if they yeah, come yeah. up. If not, but like yeah. if we start talking because we've both seen it and you get confused, yeah. then someone who's Perfect. listening will probably get confused. Yeah, so that's good. Yeah. Yeah, when I watched it, it was, I don't know, really disheartening. Mm. Hard to watch um, because of that gap of having, you know, I mean... There was a time where Hillsong songs were the only songs the church did (laughs) for a while because they were the only ones really producing anything. Um, Yeah, but I think it was really challenging for me to watch and to even process through some of the things. And so I hope that this conversation gets to lead other people in doing the same thing. Yeah. I think some of my initial thoughts, I always come to like, I like to look a little bit behind the product before I consume it. You know what? I, if that makes sense, it's like I watch the documentary, but what's behind the documentary? Who produced this? Why they produce it? And when you look into some of that, they are a, a secular um, institution, a group, a, a set of directors who put this on. And secular just means non-religious, and so they don't have Christian affiliation. That's why I came out on Discovery Plus and not Christianity Today. <laughs> like, and because of that, there is a tint that kind of covers the whole three part, the three hours that comes from 
a cultural perspective, which for me, one of the reasons I find that's important to start this conversation is it plays into a lot of the things they say that they have an agenda. They have a bias, just like every single one of us do. You know, you can't set that aside as you step into a moment like this. Like they are producing this with a purpose in mind to expose Hillsong, but also in some ways as a secular organization to expose the church, the global church, the message of Christianity. So yeah, I would just start with a, a little bit of that there. Even just knowing where it's from. Yeah. yeah. Knowing so where it's from is really important. Like yeah. And knowing where it's from and what other things have they put out. Yeah. Like, like, I mean, just gives even, and again, I haven't watched it, but gives me an understanding of, okay, I think I can maybe assume, which mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, assume, uh, <laughs> at least why would they put this out? Mm. Like why? There's always a why behind it. For sure, absolutely. World, right? So it's like okay, which, but also at the same time, because they're a secular source, they probably have more resources than a Christian organization would mm. to actually expose some things or, yeah. or mm. call out some things. Mm. But it's just good to know, um, yeah, what the source is. Yeah. Yeah. No, and uh, yeah, I just think, like you're saying, it's probably good that there's a check coming from the outside. Mm-hmm. If all your mm-hmm. checks come internally, then or usually they don't happen internally. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Like too. rarely do you see churches call out churches, and if they yeah. do, it's so negative and unhealthy yeah. Yeah. that it actually ends up destroying the church more than if a secular source would do it. Yeah, like yeah. let's let's do this. Let's go, or we're already in it. Like I told you, there's really no outline. Like the one that I think of is the American Gospel which is the documentary on Netflix. I have really mixed emotions on that because that one is Christians producing a documentary talking about other Christians. And they do so in a way that I find is they have, they hold a lot of truth, but they do it in a way that's not loving or kind to those who are a part of those organizations or those who they're even going against. And I'm not saying that we need to put on kid gloves to deal with issues. (laughs) You know, like we can speak an honest, real truth, but Jesus always comes full of grace and truth. Like there's this Mm -hmm. say the reason for the hope that you have, but do so with gentleness and respect. There's this duality that it means to be Christian and to expose that which is hardship. And you can argue Jesus called the Pharisees whitewashed tombs and he flipped the tables, but those are minute pieces of Jesus's overall candor in which he deals with the the weight Mm -hmm. of the world, you know? Yeah. Um, Let's jump into another small conversation that the title is Hillsong, a mega church exposed. Mm -hmm. And there is absolutely intentionality in choosing the title and using the word mega church, that there is this buzzword. What would we at the table right here? How do you define a mega church? (laughs) Ben's Googling. Uh, Well, it used to be a thousand people or more. Now it's 2000. So if you have a church with two, that would, regularly and not just would call the church home but mm-hmm. regularly has an attendance. attendance of sunday morning of 2000 or more mm-hmm. that is technically a mega church okay technically mm-hmm. yeah yeah so we <laughs> yes as a church Pre- pre-covid pre-covid yeah. and but almost even, right now right yes, now very yeah. close right on the bubble of being right a mega church it. yes yeah which is weird to think really about. weird <laughs> yeah it is doesn't feel like it but but when people watch that they see the title and even some of what's come up in the last 10, 15 years around mm. megachurches because really megachurches... You don't know what the dictionary definition is? Oh, gosh. Yeah. Let's <laughs> a see church it. with an unusually large congregation typically when preaching a conservative or evangelical form of Christianity. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. Because yeah. um, you probably wouldn't call the Catholic Church a megachurch. Oh. I think they have some of the biggest congregations in there. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're also not a denomination. Um, yeah. yeah. Anyway, but how do we how do we take that definition, <laughs> yeah. the title that they've given us, yeah. and where do we what do we think of megachurches, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. There's clearly a slant here where they paint a megachurch in a bad light, and I think that's one of the things the documentary will lead you to to start to believe that this megachurch model can't mm-hmm. work. It doesn't happen. There's yeah. too much power at the top. Whatever the explanation is, 
what would we say to that before we start going into some? I think even the question I have about the doctor again, because I haven't seen is, do you feel like it's strictly against or towards mega churches or just church in general? Oof. Both and? Yeah, maybe. It's clearly not in favor of the mega church. Uh, as you watch through the documentary. But mm-hmm. like I have said with the secular tone, mm-hmm. there's a tint where almost all of what they talk about, they leave this vagueness where it's like, yeah, we're talking about Hillsong, but are we talking about something yeah. bigger than that? Like right. it's yeah. never explicitly said, but they want to, to lead you into that question. And that's okay. It's okay for us to wrestle with, wrestle with that question. That's yeah. what we want to do with this podcast yeah. today. Mm-hmm. But when it oh, comes yes. to mega churches, yep. there's, I think they paint it very clear. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mega churches are as bad as house churches hmm. and as good. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's, yeah. it's, it's not what we want to do so much. I think just in life and maybe in the Christian world is we want to attack and evaluate the, how things are done and not ever look at or know how to even ask the questions of the why. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so of the motive behind. Mm-hmm. And so it's at your, your mega church with a specific motive. If it leans unhealthy and negative is as bad as the house church that has just as an un- unhealthy motive mm-hmm. yeah. and a house church being a smaller church that meets in a home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so the, the hard part about the whole idea of mega church or even what we see in scandals is we only ever hear about the scandals in the mega churches yeah. mm-hmm. in the bigger churches with the big celebrity pastors. What we don't hear is all the scandals and unhealth in smaller churches because yeah. it happens mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. And then with that, we also don't also hear the positive things that are happening in mega churches because yeah. yeah. you're not going to mm-hmm. like when mm-hmm. things are really good and healthy and vice versa, same thing with smaller churches. Yeah. yeah. And that transitions really well into just this final initial thought that we'll flush out is like, even though Hillsong has had immense problems that we'll chat about god has done an incredible work through the ministry there like there are people who have been faithful there there are people who are deeply in love and and passionate about jesus there that people have come to faith been discipled and grown in their relationship with jesus through a flawed institution Mm -hmm. and so we have to recognize some of that like in the documentary doesn't necessarily do that yeah uh they don't won't. that's not their goal that's not their Mm -hmm. goal um but like if you look at the Mars Hill podcast, yeah. which Ben and I have talked about a little bit, they that comes from a Christian source, and they do an, what I think is a really good job yeah. of balancing, yes, this was an awful situation with bad leadership and, and terrible outcomes. Yet in the midst of that, God was working something mm-hmm. beyond what yep. like yeah. we could even imagine, yeah. that he was still moving in the midst of a really dark, broken place. Because mm. you could, I mean, all... All of churches are broken institutions. All of local churches are a broken institution because they're run by broken people. Mm -hmm. And so all Christians are discipled by broken institutions. Mm -hmm. And so that's part of the process of being the church Mm -hmm. is to continually to grow even in the midst of that. I feel like there's a question there. Like, how do you sign up to be involved involved. in a, (laughs) you know, like, we are, yes, we're a flawed organization, a flawed church because we have flawed people running it, yet we represent a flawless God. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's our, that is our role, really, mm-hmm. to stand in the middle and to be the priests, the shepherds, the pastors, the leaders, the, like, of a God who is perfect as imperfect people. Like, how do you yeah. encourage people to still be a part of what God's doing mm-hmm. here when there will be wounding and yeah. hardship? Yeah. Like, because the call isn't to perfection, the call is to reconciliation. Mm. I think mm-hmm. of the Second Corinthians 5, like, just the beauty that, 
the the message of reconciliation that Christ brought that he has now given to the people of God, to mm-hmm. followers of Jesus, to us who, yeah, whether leadership or not, now we are bringing that message of reconciliation to the world as mm-hmm. Christ's ambassadors. So like that's all, yes, we're flawed yeah. people mm-hmm. who continue to need help, healing, and discipleship, uh, going to a, a world of brokenness and flawness and, yeah. and, and unhealth. Mm-hmm. But what we're bringing is a message and a beauty of despite that, even in Second Corinthians five, it literally says, um, uh, "Christ is no longer no longer counts our sins against us." Mm-hmm. Like that's what we're bringing, mm-hmm. and that's beautiful to me. It's again, the call isn't to perfection, but to transformation and reconciliation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if someone were to ask me some somewhere like that, like how would I sign up to be? And I think people do ask that question, like why yeah. would you be a part of a, the church? Like, look at all the things the church has messed up. Look at all the mm-hmm. people who get messed up. By it. Like, why would you sign up for that? And for me, it becomes when you look at what the reward is, the eternal destination of heaven and us believing Jesus is the way and the truth of life, the only way to get there, like the reward makes it worth the hardship that it, that you might endure going through it. Mm-hmm. Well, that and is like, we're three people here who are broken yet are redeemed Yeah, yeah. and are, are continuing to pursue re- redemption. I have, mm-hmm. I'm going to right? I have three kids at home mm-hmm. who won't experience what I experienced growing up. Because mm-hmm. of Jesus, yeah, like yeah. that's huge, and that's what, you, and that again doesn't make mm-hmm. life easy, right? And we know that it's it's, mm-hmm. but life has been better with Jesus, and there's still been some crap and hardship, mm-hmm. but like, yeah, it's just that's what Christ can bring. So, like, yeah, eternal life, and there's a ter- eternal war, but like, life starts now too. Yeah, and absolutely, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Let's dive into a couple of the more specific things that the documentary addresses. So I, we have six written down here. I don't know if we'll cover all six, just depending on time we want to be. We don't need this to be an hour-long podcast. <laughs> but the first one that becomes really glaring as you watch the documentary is what appears to be the financial like mishandling it, within the Hillsong context. Uh, for example, they have... Uh, a, a guy who comes on who speaks about like his profession is to look into nonprofits and different things and he sees the Hillsong as an organization has registered as an LLC which is a for-profit organization that's how they do their taxes that's how they are, are affiliated as um, like corporately which is really odd because churches typically are nonprofit organizations like if you were to check our tax status and who we are as Grace Point you're not going to find us as an LLC you're going to find us as a non nonprofit tax uh, on, uh, yeah, yeah that, that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I got lost in my own language. But in that, there's also like the whole picture they paint of rich, famous pastors, mm-hmm. which we could do a whole podcast <laughs> on rich, famous pastors. There's the sneakers and preacher, or the preachers and sneakers. There's the, um, yeah, fancy cars, luxurious mm-hmm. trips, like all that. What would we speak into some of this, you know? I know you haven't seen it, but you've wrestled with this yourself, like mm-hmm. this just idea. How do we speak into, as a couple of pastors who sit around the table, what we see in the documentary, but also just what we see in the church when it comes well, to the financial mishap? I would like to have you guys go first, more so because mm-hmm. you've seen it. Go mm-hmm. from that end, and then I can either ask questions yeah. for clarity okay. or go through what I just like. How do you know if the church is out to make money? For sure. Ooh, how do you know if the church is out to make money? That's, just, that's what no, we're starting with? No, no, no. You start with the documentary. Okay, yeah. Like okay. wrestling with this whole yeah. idea of the financial mishandling. Oh, goodness. Um... I don't know where to start. Where, where would you start? Oh, when it comes to like, <laughs> it's hard. When it comes to like their evidence that Hillsong is registered as a not not as a nonprofit, they register as a corporation. Mm-hmm. That to me is like a 
a no, a no, flag. or a huge yeah. red flag. How you would find that out as a local congregant, I think you just have to ask. You ask. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I would hope they'd be transparent with you. I don't know if they would, yeah. but like you just have to ask, like, hey, how mm-hmm. are we registered as an organization? Yeah. Because if your church is registered as a for profit organization, that's a red flag to me. Mm-hmm. It's not what we're meant to be doing. Yeah. Um, there's a lot more flexibility with LLCs than nonprofits, yeah. which makes it then more dangerous. Mm-hmm. Like with a nonprofit, you need a board of directors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You need to have specifics to where everything is going. With an LLC, you don't. Mm-hmm. And you're not mm-hmm. personally held accountable for what happens with the money, Yeah, which just sounds dangerous mm-hmm. from a church world perspective as I think mm-hmm. about like yeah. the difference between an LLC and a nonprofit. Maybe go yeah. for this, Jenna. Like, mm-hmm. what, do you, what do you feel and think <laughs> when you see preachers and sneakers? Yeah. When you see luxurious preachers rocking, I mean, in the documentary, I think they talk about Carl Lentz wore a twenty thousand dollar hoodie. Yeah. What What is that? What does that mean for the church that we as yeah. we look at that? There's a part of me that like that rubs the wrong way fairly significantly. Of like, you have that much money that you can afford to have that. Mm-hmm. Um. But like how much better would that money be used, you know, if it was given to someone in need or, you know, something mm-hmm. like that to so even like address like the, the wealth gap in our country. Um, but then like, I also think about the reality of like most pastors salaries are paid by what the church makes. Mm-hmm. Um, like ours is it's based yeah. on like how like tithe and things like that. And so when you get a church that's as big as Hillsong, the money that comes in is greater. So mm-hmm. then the pastor's salary goes up. It's like, it's just a proportionate thing. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know. It's I, it, I wrestle yeah. with it because it's like, I also believe very strongly that people should be paid fairly for the service they provide. Mm-hmm. And we could talk about what fairly means in a whole different podcast. Yeah. Um, you know, and like there's reality that maybe some of the things that the, that they have, like were given to them as gifts, like, mm-hmm. it, you know, and like brand partnerships and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It, I, I don't know how I feel about it. I feel uneasy, but I don't have like clear thoughts that I can formulate to take mm-hmm. an opinion on. And I, I think that's okay. You know, the reason I'm, I'm cool with that is like you've wrestled with it, you've thought yeah. about it, and you're still coming to conclusions. And it isn't clear cut. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I honestly don't believe it's like yeah. black and white. This is yeah. what a sh- pastor should make. This is how they should spend oh, it. Like how, What you should make is absolutely not black and white. Yeah. yeah. How you should spend it, I think there are biblical principles. Yeah. There are. Yeah. But my, my issue and hard part is I've never had a conversation with someone mm-hmm. who spent a ton of money on clothing and cars. Like I haven't been able to sit down and ask why, like, mm-hmm. why do you feel like you need this? Cause yeah. if it's to keep up with an image, I would wrestle with that personally. Yeah. I would mm-hmm. wrestle with that. Why do you have to keep up with a specific image? Mm-hmm. Um, I would just wrestle with that. And then that's where hopefully if I'm in that, like I want to have a conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I struggle with like, man, you spent, if you are spending a ton of money on materialistic things, mm-hmm. ugh, I just, I struggle with it yeah. based mm-hmm. off what we need mm-hmm. versus yeah. what, we have and here's where i've kind of figured it out in in the doc they talk about how there was misuse of company cards to buy personal items totally off yeah Yeah. not any business organization that is that is immoral that is fraud yeah Yeah. (laughs) so like that is not the conversation we're having is like if they used company cards to buy two thousand dollar j's like that's wrong (laughs) but like jana was saying there's oftentimes like a percentage of a church's income of money. So whether that's tithe dollars, offering, whatever that's, that is given proportionately to the staff. So, if, hey, a church is set to spend 
30% of its income on staffing. Then no matter how, how, how you have staffing, then that's divided up. So if a church brings in a million dollars, what's 30% of that? But if a church brings in $30 million, yeah. like no, that's a sure. huge chunk. But you have yeah. to, like then the percentages might still say the same. Maybe the lead pastor gets... 10% of that. Mm-hmm. Now that lead pastor making 10% off of $30 million, it, that's a huge chunk of money. And when it goes into their bank account and their, and it's their personal dollars, yeah. for mm-hmm. me, it becomes, again, it's personal conviction. Yeah, where yeah, I think where you talk mm-hmm. like, yeah, let's have conversations. Yep. Why do you buy $2,000 J's? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then like, it's up to them. Like, yeah. if we're just being faithful to tithe and to give to the local church, which I feel like is what God has called us to do, we need to trust or we need to at least... Um, be okay with them having that personal conviction. And if they have convictions that are different from you, have those conversations mm-hmm. and those questions. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I think you raised an inter- interesting point too, when we talked about this after we both originally watched it of like in their particular situation, like yeah. for Carl Lentz to spend that much money on something is to also recognize the context that he's in, mm-hmm. you know? And so he, by wearing something insanely expensive now has influence with celebrities that's like that's weird when you could talk about that but like does he lose influence or input in those spheres of influence where he could do god's kingdom work Mm -hmm. if he doesn't even have his foot in the door in that simple way and like that's where it's like again like and it's not black and white it's like it's just interesting i'm drawn back to i had this pastor and I'm, I can't remember who it was, but they were telling this story of one of the first times they preached a sermon. Someone came up to him after and they said, your fingers and your fingernails are so gross. I couldn't pay attention. <laughs> and so he started getting red, regular right. pedicures right. or yeah. manicures. Which one's fingers? Manicures. Manicures. He started getting regular manicures because he didn't want people in the congregation distracted right. or uh, like not being able to listen because of his fingernails <laughs> where it's like, that's a silly example. Yeah. But really, if you stand up on stage with mm-hmm. a Gucci sweater in the context of New York City where they yeah. value money and materials like that. Does that draw people in for them to hear the gospel message? But I get that it's like, what do you, what you catch them to? Like what, what you catch you, them yeah. with? Like you're going to use the, And I get and there's it, like a nuance yeah. in that, but the context and the culture in which he was in also mm-hmm. matters in some ways. Yeah. Well, John even Tyson to make it in, in our context like... and culture and he's not pursuing <laughs> that stuff. Yeah. But even to think I'm about... I'm just saying like there's other pa- pastors, Tim Keller is in the same thing and doing yeah. incredible work with Redeemer yeah. Presbyterian. But it their church contexts are very different. Yeah. So like that... You know, so, so the it's, people it's there. Who do you want relationship with? Yes, and which, we, which is to, I think is a good question. And then if you ask the question, if everybody is Tim Keller, if everybody's John Tyson, no, who's yeah. reaching the reaching, people that yep. Carl Lentz is it's reaching? Both. Not just yeah. it's not just the the mm. down and out. It's also the up and out. Yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah. it needs to be both. And do you catch the rich and the pompous with fancy clothes? That's I don't. I don't. Could I don't, you do it without it? That's a good I would question. hope so. I don't, know. To wrestle I don't with. know. You know, but I can only answer that question in that context. Yes. Yeah. So there's where the gray comes in. Yeah. Let's jump to another topic. There is the next huge thing that comes up. How do you know if a church is seeking to make money? Oh, you want to ask that? Okay. I think I think so. Ask. Yeah. A hundred percent. If it's answer to ninety percent of your problems, have a conversation. And if there's (laughs) if there's an automatic, they won't disclose. Immediate red flag. Yeah. Yeah. Immediate red flag. Right now, here at Grace Point, we are going, we are putting on a, a local church conference. In in two weeks. In two yeah. weeks. It was called our Anoint Conference. Yep. And you can come Literally and we will see show every, you where every dollar goes. Yes. yes. And that should happen in every, every church context. Every, yes. 100%. All the time. And I know if, churches who pull it out every week. And they put yeah. on a bolt oh, and yeah, they don't I have, have to, but like that, they just yeah. like, here, here's where money's going. Yeah. 
Well, that's so smart. Like right now in our context at SDSU, we're having this problem that there's the entire school of the design where the students are now asking the question, where does our finances go? And nobody's able to tell them. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's what? Yeah. yeah. What is happening to the money? Like the church needs to answer that question. Yeah. So yeah, mm-hmm. ask that. Yeah. Okay. Lau, let's jump on to the next one. Great catch. <laughs> Good answer to that question. Um, so back. <laughs> there is the conversation of the sexual misconduct that was happening at a part of Hillsong. And the documentary paints it as it's a culture that from the top down was perpetuated. And so therefore it's not just one individual that made a mistake and did something wrong. It was an entire, it's the system, it's the it's system, the system. That, that allows that individual or individuals like that individual to exist and continue in positions of authority and power. So why don't we, how do I want to attack this? So obviously it's not, we affirm it's there's nothing no forms of there's no lines of clear accountability and communication to keep is that what you're saying like to to stop it yeah so like just to explain that there is carl lenses had his, his affair yep. um and that came out which obviously like he's spoken up about and like the ch- the church has said is not okay but what was the system that we was a part of that allowed him to go about that for that period of time or there's other examples where they show um where staff members were accused of things where it got covered up it got set aside it got like honestly like some victim shaming some things that were like making sure that other people wouldn't come forward or if they did it wouldn't go to the right people so that something actually changed where it was an organizational like honestly cover up that their culture was rotten. Yeah, that's that's mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Um so what would we say in that? Like how what's the the conversation of keeping individuals in positions of authority accountable? What's the conversation about like hypocrisy in the church mm-hmm. where the people who stand on the platform and preach purity are behind the scenes not living pure lives? Like where does that all come in? Well, <laughs> I think, I mean, just in general, again, not speaking for, with knowing anything about really what's happening at Hillsong, I know a few things. If there's a situation in a church where the buck stops at the lead pastor mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. there's no like board of elders there who mm-hmm. have hired them there, I, I to me, it's like I would be uncomfortable being a senior pastor in that position mm-hmm. where there's no one on top of me, where there's a clear line of accountability, where the people underneath me could go yeah. and say, hey, we have an issue with this. Mm-hmm. Or if there's not a board in the church where we can have an issue with this, where I don't oversee or lead or I'm a part of. Yeah. Like, so if there's not a clear line of accountability, that to me needs to like be addressed. Mm-hmm. But also it's it's as simple as what are the the constant like modes of, of checking in and how are you like being held accountable with your time, talent, and treasures? Yeah. Like a biggest, the biggest thing for me, even the whole Ravi Zachariah situation was literally like, you just had to do account, like look at his checkbook Yeah. and some mm-hmm. red flags would have shot up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. You do that also with your time. What are you doing with your time? Yeah. And then you have relationships that you've had established both inside the church and outside the church where people can ask you challenging and hard questions. Mm-hmm. And that's not what ha- what's happening because there's a lot of freedom. And there's no one to hold them accountable because they haven't pursued either pursued those relationships or those boundaries haven't been set. So what do you say to the person who is in the local church and mm. is trying to figure out if their pastor has that? Yeah. Like, how mm. do they go about finding that out? <laughs> ask. It's the same really? It's, I think it's the I same think, yeah. thing. It's okay to ask. Or even like. Ask yeah. how the politics of your church work. What what boards do you have? Like, who does, how does your staff mm. break out down work? Yeah. You know, like. 
that and that doesn't have to be like a confrontational question. That can mm-hmm. be a simply, hey, I want to know how our church works. Yeah. Yeah. And then like far too many people don't realize that there are boards that they can be on yeah. in their church to mm-hmm. have say and influence and even just to know behind the scenes things. So if it's something that you really care about and are passionate about, and we probably all should be to some extent, mm-hmm. like how do you get involved in that process? Yeah. No, that's good. And in this this topic, the the one of like sexual misconduct, there is no gray area. Yeah. Biblically, no. No. Mm-hmm. Like when it comes to the financial one, there's things we could talk about here at the table yeah. that says, yeah, I could see how they could get there. I could see how they, like when it comes to this, like yeah. what happened was wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the victims who were not able to to have the freedom to speak up that didn't find justice, like that is wrong. wrong. And that yeah. is something we will never like condone or be okay with. And it is our job to make sure that that doesn't happen in our mm-hmm. context and in others as we continue to speak about this. Where it comes is, I just want to ask this question, how do we deal with like that hypocrisy in the church? Like, I feel like this, this is the tip of an iceberg that is bigger. You know, like there's the sexual conversation where the pastor preaches on purity and then doesn't live the pure life. But like how, what happens to the the pastor who preaches on pride then is prideful? What happens to the pastor who is preaching on generosity, but doesn't tie themselves? Like, where is Mm -hmm. this uh, like accountability and hypocrisy? How do you deal with that in the, the local church? Oh, you, this, it's a loaded question because it's different in every church. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so I think more so it's like, how do you start with your own hypocrisy? Like, mm-hmm. what are the avenues that you have to check yourself in that? <clears throat> and is there not, if there's not freedom, if you don't feel comfortable or freedom um, to go and literally ask the leadership of your church these questions, mm-hmm. that's a problem. Like that yeah. to mm-hmm. me is an issue. Mm-hmm. Like if, yeah. if you feel like, ugh. And then it's how do you stay in that? And like, what are the not, avenues and of not serving because you that? just like, feel uncomfortable, but no, because you know you'll be gaslit. There's fearful. Yeah, correct. Like, there's fear. Like, of yeah. actually, like, yeah. I don't know what's going to happen to me if I do this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, how do you deal with it? There's hypocrisy in every church. Mm-hmm. So, I don't not just giving into it and have a fatalistic attitude of mm-hmm. like, well, we just we can't yeah. do anything with it. It's how mm-hmm. do I personally pursue Jesus, and do I have or are there people within the context of the congregation and church who can have mm-hmm. those accountability questions? Yeah, yeah. I just. I yeah. think even like when something of a scandal comes out, because that happens in the local church all the time yeah. too, in smaller settings than just mm-hmm. Hillsong. Yeah. How do you address the injustice, seek um, like healing? I almost use the word retribution. I don't know if that's the word that I want. Like reconciliation. Reconciliation. Yeah. Thank you um, for the victim. And then how do you help the perpetrator? Mm-hmm. Because you can't, like we've done a whole podcasts on cancel culture right yeah. like we don't want to swing that direction and just be like okay well you're done you're out because that's still a person who god loves mm-hmm. who wants who needs reconciliation as well so how do you take the steps to seek the help for that person even if it's not you personally like but you like how like are you checking in are you aware of the systems and processes of how things are working mm-hmm. i hate to cut this off but we got to yeah. keep moving <laughs> I, there's two We're more not. that i for sure want to address the first one becomes the music. And this one doesn't yeah. have to be quite as long. Jana's <laughs> like, oh, come on. Uh, but the documentary talks about Hillsong worship. So there is mm-hmm. a huge part of Hillsong that is not attached to Sunday mornings. Like it's the music they produce, yeah. the tours they go on, the places that they go, the artists they produce. Like Hillsong worship can exist without the church. Yeah. And, and so in that, what do we do with their music now because the documentary paints them as part of the problem Mm -hmm. that they created music that was emotionally manipulating of the people who were a part of it so they had they wanted people to come into their sunday mornings and cry because if they got Mm -hmm. people to cry then they'd be more receptive to to give money like 
what what validity is that like is yeah. there validity in that is there not like what's what do we do with hillsong yeah. worship now first i like to like all of music secular religious all of it is emotional manipulation that's mm. what music is it causes you to feel and it causes you to to have emotions mm-hmm. so like you and, and it can be abused for sure yeah but that's what all music is if you come on a sunday morning if you come on a, to an oasis part of my job is to create an emotional environment for you to walk through for the night mm. like realistically and i've wrestled with that because i don't like the idea of emotional manipulation because i think that's like could get into emotional abuse there but like that's part of what it is that's Mm -hmm. how it works that's what music does and so like when it comes to hillsong i think what you can wrestle with is like okay even in that process if you think you are being emotionally manipulated or just in general as a worshiper do you take the time to be reflective over the songs that you sing Mm -hmm. over the songs that are done at your church do you really look at the lyrics do they actually say something? Because mm. sometimes they don't say anything. Yeah. <laughs> like, is there theology behind it? Is there purpose behind the words that we're singing? Do they um, actually lead us into worship or are they just causing us to feel something and cry? You mm-hmm. know, whenever someone tells me, oh, I just loved worship, I cried. I always like to ask, well, why? What were you feeling? What were you experiencing? Because crying isn't bad. Yeah. Like that's an expression of an emotion, but what's the emotion? What's going on behind it? Mm-hmm. Why are you feeling that way? Um, and don't be afraid to, in your local context, meet and talk with your worship leader or pastor or director or whatever it is to ask those questions yeah because it's a it's another thing like we need checked just as much on our theology as the preaching pastor does because there's so many songs out there and asking why you pick the songs you do what's important about these lyrics like and if they can't communicate that with you like yeah for me that's a red flag Mm -hmm. but what do you feel like okay what do you feel like is the line like if Mm. you could give an example that becomes emotional manipulation Mm. oof you know, like, I think manipulation I, I, inherently is not negative. I think there's manipulation to coercion, which is yeah. getting people to do things they don't want to. Yeah. And then there's mm-hmm. manipulation and persuasion and, and, and helping people yeah. move to a place mm-hmm. uh, where you, it's influence. Mm-hmm. You're influencing to a point of like, and like you said, I, I, w- I would phrase just the idea of music is just emotional in general because yeah, it's artistic. It is. It yeah. That's is. what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is beautiful. It's how, mm-hmm. literally how it was created. Yeah. And so I think the negative side is like, am I coercing someone to do something they don't want to do? Mm-hmm. And I don't know what a specific example of that would be. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, yeah. that's more of a circumstance. You can only define that in the, the context again, okay. because I think there are contexts of worship through music styles that if that's not what you are part of, seems emotionally manipulative. Like I've known, this maybe gets into a whole different thing. I've known white people who have visited black church and said, oh, it's just emotionally manipulative music. Like they play all the big mm. riffs and they do all the crazy, you know, going off just cause they're trying to get you to feel something. That's not true. That's just a part of the culture right. of their church that like for them isn't emotionally manipulative because yeah, that's, that's what they, that's normative. Yeah. You know, or you could say like this, the white charismatic movement, not to, to take like just that it's a race thing out of it. Yeah. Like there have been like groups that it's like, oh, they're just trying to get you to feel something or cry. It's like that's part of their culture. That's part of their context. And so it's hard to draw like a hard, fast line on it. Mm-hmm. I think, Ben, you described it really well with, when the emotion or what you're being led into is something that you don't feel comfortable with, mm-hmm. you know? So it's the, the altar call that nobody raises their hand. He said, Oh, I'm just going to wait a little bit longer. Yeah. We're going to play a yes. bigger riff. That, yes. So more people raise their hand, yep. more people come up. Like that's a little bit of a manipulation. If it, you know, it's yeah. like forcing people to step into a moment that's like, gets awkward, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. It's harder. It's it. No. Yeah. It's definitely. But. So now I'm going to ask the, the big question. <laughs> 
What do we do with Hillsong worship? It's a great question. Because what's the issue in the documentary with why they would say don't? That, well, they don't say don't. Okay. Yeah, they don't necessarily say don't, but they 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 lead you in that way that yeah. they would like you to not support anything Hillsong. Because by listening yeah. it, you're automatically you're supporting, supporting it in which ways? Well, like there's well. so like this is a conversation again where it becomes by supporting a music organization that's attached to a church mm-hmm. that the financial incentive you give to the church comes through the music organization. So if mm-hmm. I play Hillsong, if I buy Hillsong's album, yep. if we play Hillsong in our church, then people will look up that song, then they'll start listening mm-hmm. to Hillsong. So now just by singing the music that yep. that they mm-hmm. produce, we've financially contributed to them as well as we've contributed to their quote unquote brand. Yeah. Yeah. We've helped give them platform, we've given them influence, then people might go listen to their sermons, they might go be a part of their church, mm-hmm. like that it's mm-hmm. the this whole like what does it mean to endorse someone is kind of what it is i think that like when you look at the background of how the music industry works it's not it doesn't come down to one person so even if i go listen to a brooke ligertwood song there are hundreds if not thousands of people behind that one song that have made it happen Mm -hmm. that if you looked through all of those people you'd probably find things that aren't good whether that's managers uh editors uh producers like labels labels like all of it. And so it, it gets hard because you like we're still wrestling with that of do we continue to play Hillsong stuff or mm-hmm. like how? Because Brooke Ligertwood is part of Hillsong, but she's also independent. So it's like, yeah. how does that how do you find that balance? You know, and do you throw out the baby with the bathwater? Do you cancel the whole thing or do you continue to use what is still good, what God is still using? And I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think? I feel like we're just saying a lot of I yeah, don't know. Keep listening to it. <laughs> Keep listening to it. That's think? what I would say. Mm-hmm. I think it's at what point can you really evaluate the amount of influence you have or don't have uh, towards another organization or person? Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. like, would I? Would you stop listening to secular music because you technically are supporting them? It has nothing yeah. to do with Jesus. Yeah. And so it's mm-hmm. like, oh, it, well, that doesn't count because it's not toward organization. Well, it's still toward the person who's going to create yeah. more music. What's that has nothing to do with Jesus? Mm-hmm. It's like I wouldn't say yeah. you have to automatically stop listening to that mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe this is where personal conviction yeah. comes in, uh, yeah. that if you feel very strongly that you shouldn't listen to them because you support that organization, that's fine. That's yeah. a fine stance for you to take, yes. but you can't always hold your convictions over everyone else. And here's where I'm at. I'm in between. I'm still undecided. Hillsong literally released a new album like a week ago, <laughs> and I have it added, and I haven't really listened to it. And the reason for that is, like, I'm okay. Part of, part of the conversation I've heard is, like, we're all flawed people. And so everything we do is flawed. So mm-hmm. the people who produce the music for Hillsong, yes, they're flawed. But if God didn't use flawed people, nothing would come about. You know, how could I preach a sermon if, if I was like, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's this idea that we'll just wipe it off. You know, we'll just mm-hmm. continue to support because we're all flawed people, which I feel like is just so shortcoming the whole conversation. Mm, yeah. You're just throwing a typical Christian answer out there. It's like, yep, we're all flawed. So we'll just support it. Where I'm wrestling is it's not just a conversation about individuals at this Mm -hmm. point. It's a conversation about an organization. It's a conversation about a bigger structure that is supported in in ways by the music. Mm -hmm. So I want Mm -hmm. to support Brooke Iyerward. I want to support the Christians who are making the music who want to glorify and praise God. I do not want to support the organization right now. And so Mm -hmm. I'm trying to figure out how do I do that? How do I listen to the music and support the artist without supporting the organization with my streams, you know, and, yeah. and, and there's no clean cut answer with that. Yeah. 
like they are still making music that glorifies the father. Right. Mm-hmm. They're still making music that will absolutely be anthems for Christians as they walk through mm-hmm. life. Yeah. But there is this mm-hmm. culture that we need to wrestle with and see. Yeah. Quickly, because we're, we're getting long. I want to oh, yeah. do one last <laughs> topic and then we'll kind of wrap up. But the last part of the documentary I want to talk about is they have a bunch of volunteers that are interviewed throughout the documentary. And their volunteers are like their core witnesses to testify to the culture, to the, the uh, character of the leaders, to the just experience. And they paint the volunteer culture of Hillsong as terrible, that they are abused um, with their time and their their resources, that their their talent is manipulated in the wrong way, mm-hmm. that they are um, made to show up at all hours, at all times, to make sure that the business of Hillsong continues. So the question I want to ask here, and I'll just make it pretty pretty clear, is how do you make sure that the volunteer culture at your church is healthy? Like, let's just keep it there. Like, yeah, if th- what these people are saying is true, which I don't know if it is. Um, I wasn't there. I wasn't a part of it, but I'm going to believe them for the most part right now. I'm going to give them the respect to believe what their experience is, that there was an unhealthy culture there. Now, if we look here at Grace Point or whatever culture you're part of, like we have a ton of volunteers. Our Mm -hmm. church does not run without volunteers. How do you make sure that's a healthy volunteer Mm -hmm. culture? I think you do what we say, only actually (laughs) challenge it and check it of, do we actually want more for than from? Mm -hmm. And then how do we know we're doing that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Would you add anything on that as you lead a big team of volunteers? I think that when the team of volunteers is so disconnected from its leader, Mm -hmm. that, that can be a red, a red flag, you know? Mm -hmm. So is the leader that's over you, like, do you have a relationship with them? Maybe you're not best friends, but do they check in? Do you have conversations with them? Do you get to see them? Do they offer support and have an open door to, to be a resource to you? And if you can't, if, if that doesn't exist, then that leader's probably not stewarding that mm-hmm. team as well as they could. Yeah. I love that. You you, you both said it hit right on the hail, nail on the head. <laughs> nail on the net. <laughs> uh, but like, as you volunteer, they're supposed to be in the gospel commission of what it means to be the church, this giving and this receiving in volunteerism. Mm, yep. That as you give of yourself, there is this receiving that Jesus tells us that life is found not in receiving, but in giving. Mm-hmm. That Jesus came to serve, yeah. not to be served. And so there is this beauty that we are actually asking you to volunteer for your benefit. That yeah. the volunteering and giving back to the local church is supposed to be something that helps you become more like Christ. Now, if it's not doing that, yeah. and if you are just filling man hours, if you're just doing a task, then that you've lost that. Yeah. We constantly tell our people as they volunteer, you are not just holding a door. You are not just making right. coffee. You are pastoring and shepherding. That the things you're doing in these moments connect you to the people who are around you that you serve with, and they also provide space and opportunity for others to come to come and to be a part of what God wants yeah. to do in this morning. So all of that becomes this volunteer culture that is for the kingdom, not for the church. Mm-hmm. Like Grace Point doesn't need to be the biggest church in the world. It doesn't need to to exist in 10 years. If we do, praise God, by his grace alone, we will. But we need to continue to build the kingdom, and we want mm-hmm. our volunteers to represent that. Mm-hmm. Last question. Ben, are you going to watch the doc now or no? Uh, eventually, for sure. Yeah? Yeah, definitely. So why? Mm-hmm. Why would you watch it? Uh, because I don't have a predisposition uh, or a background of being hurt by the local church. Mm. 
Um, mm. And if I did and haven't received healing in that, I would say don't watch it yet. Yeah. Um, and so that's one. I think I just want to, as a, as a pastor in general and as a, as one who is super, as actually very pro mega church, because mm-hmm. I'm pro all forms of church, mm. uh, it's, I want to see it because yeah. I want to know what, what really is happening. Yeah. Um, and just to hear, because it's also conversations we're having around our staff. Mm-hmm. So it's like, mm-hmm. I, I know there are people having these conversations who have seen it around me. We can have good, cordial conversation where we may disagree, yeah. but yeah. that actually creates health within our culture and staff culture. Because like for us to be able to disagree on things is actually really good Like to yeah. have those conversations because yeah, we're so for each other. Um, so for me, I will watch it uh, to gain information, to see really mm-hmm. what what mm-hmm. their perspective is. Mm-hmm. And even knowing like going into it that way of like, okay, this is a... This whoever put it out yeah. is their perspective on what happened. They interviewed real life people who were associated with this. So it was like they did their work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not going to come in with some like negative. Oh, they're just trying to destroy the church. I'm saying yeah. like, here's what's happening. Yeah. Um, I, that probably still won't affect or change if I listen to Hillsong music. Okay. Uh, because if I would listen to it now, why would one documentary change if I'm going to listen to it later? Mm. Um, and I'll see what happens yeah. uh, if the system. If I believe that my listening to a Hillsong song is supporting the system of oppression that is happening and injustice that's happening in it, then I'll change my answer to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think I, I definitely would would throw out hesitation for those who, if you have a history of being hurt by a church, any type of local church, um, and haven't pursued any type of healing for it, haven't gotten counseling for it, haven't like talked to a local pastor who is in a good, maybe healthy situation, mm-hmm. I would I would just throw caution. Yeah. Uh, just because all this could do is either bring up continual damage that is within your soul or it could continue to give you a negative connotation of what all churches are like when that's not mm-hmm. the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say, yes, watch it with caution. Yeah. From the very start, we've told you this comes from a source that has its own bias and its own agenda, as well as throughout the documentary, I am not a fan of how they prove all their claims. Um, <laughs> but that's just a, a logistical communication research thing that just because someone says something does yeah, not mean it's true. Yep. So there are things that they say that are probably inaccurate that are not true. And when they don't have sufficient evidence mm-hmm. for some things, make sure that you continue to challenge well, that idea. And even with that, like you said, they, they interviewed volunteers for every, inter- or in, for every interview they did with volunteer who had a negative experience, there's probably just one who had a positive experience, yeah. mm-hmm. which might be real yeah. that you'll never yeah. hear. And this was part of my problem and I'm, we're on it and we're already way long. Why not? We just keep <laughs> like, there are, hundreds of Hillsong churches around the world and they have two staff members who are on the documentary from yeah. U- mm. Ukraine. And Jane and I talked that, yeah, they might have their staff members on NDAs. I don't know what the exact situation is, why mm-hmm. they wouldn't be able to, but if the documentary was going about conducting obviously huge amounts of research, they found six to 10 core volunteers oh. to interview, but two staff members out of there are probably yeah, thousands, thousands. Yeah. of staff members who have been a part of this church, a part of this. And there's probably hundreds of those thousands who have been hurt and have found this, this similar experience. But why were they not interviewed? Mm-hmm. Like the staff should be the people who are most in tune with the character of the leaders, as well as most in tune with the culture and the, the vision mission of the church, not necessarily the volunteers, mm-hmm. but yeah, good. Yeah, I think so. All right. We're going to wrap up there. Um, (laughs) Thank you for sticking with us for this long journey, this haul. If you have further questions, I think you heard 
12,000 times in this podcast <laughs> that you should ask that yeah. we are approachable. One of the podcast topics I wrote down is how to approach a pastor. Yeah. I would love That'd to have good. that conversation. Yeah. Um, but we are approachable people who are just trying to follow Jesus, that we're asking these questions because we want to learn. And we would love to join you in having a dialogue on this topic or any other. But thanks for tuning in. We will catch you next time. Bye. See you, see you, see you.